Good morning, medics. Is it a good day? It is a good day. Thanks to Asher. <laughs> he was doing an impression of me the other day. It made me sound like uh, Mr. Rogers, right? Mr. Rogers from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Good morning, Max. Is it a good day? It is a good day. Won't you be my neighbor? Uh, <laughs> uh, Asher's going to be a good kid one day. Mm. Got my coffee. I got my uh, barely awake on. Hey, Tom. Good morning. So, yeah, yesterday I was doing a Topic Tuesday, and it was about refusals and consent, and I was talking about how we have to explain things and so on and so forth and use our words, and why is this not... It doesn't seem like it's getting my audio at all. Uh, Everybody says they're hearing me, but I'm not seeing this thing bounce like it should. Let me check something real quick. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, that's on the wrong one. That'd be... Oh, oh, okay. Can't, oh, okay. It's I'm just not seeing the right one. There it is. I see it. Yeah, everything's good. And, you know, it's 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 still you know coffee. Coffee's here. Co- coffee's here. So you know, bear with me, everybody. <laughs> so yeah, I thought about how we uh, use our words and we have to explain uh, to to patients. And I was talking about I was talking to citizens and and regular people, right? That uh, uh, you should always question your doctor and. You know, you, you, we're going to talk about all kind of communication today, but uh, go watch Topic Tuesday. It's on Georgia Institute of EMS. It's on our YouTube page, uh, on Facebook and YouTube. And then it's on the podcast as well under EMS Underground. So, um, I was talking about, and, and actually it was Sherry who was here this morning. Sherry's like, yeah, but the words that you, that sometimes you guys use are scary. And that brought up a really big point of how we talk to people and how we use our words. And good morning, Jake. Uh, <laughs> and and there's something to be said and what's funny is i'm about to do the lecture today for communication uh, for advanced dmt and so it's going to talk about body language and, and everything i'm kind of touching on here now and i was prepping that a lot yesterday I spent a couple hours prepping that to get ready for today and it's, a, it's in my mind <laughs> but sometimes it's not what you say it's how you say it right and sometimes it's absolutely what you say. And, and here's the thing. People get mad at other people, get mad at patients, get, get mad at family members because they say something and you just took it wrong. Well, that is very possible. But there was definitely, ah, uh, man, I wish I could remember what motivational speaker said it or what life coach or whoever, somebody famous said, if, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact quote. But if the communication you give isn't getting you the results you want or you're not, you know, you're not getting the reaction you thought you'd get out of what you said, then you need to change how you communicate. You need to change how you said it. And that's been a hard lesson for me to learn in my own personal relationship with my wife. But you see that with patients. And I, I, I am definitely a straight shooter. I'm definitely a guy who who comes out and tells people, I, I just want to tell people this is just the way it is. You need to calm down and breathe. And you know, somebody who's having more an attitudinal problem and you know wants to feel like they're dying or, you know, oh, it's oh Jesus person. It's the oh Jesus person that gets to me, right? It's somebody who, who might be a little sick, who might, you know, might be a little injured, whatever. It's 
uh, inherently fixable. It, it's not a big deal. Oh, Lord Jesus, I'm gonna die. Oh, oh, that gets me. That that just cuts right to my soul, right over time. I've I've just known people do that. I've been in hospital. You hear it in hospitals a lot. You hear it in nursing homes. You definitely, oh, you definitely hear it in nursing homes. Uh, just the constant, oh, Lord. Oh, and it, it anyway, that's 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 a form of communication, right? But that's not using our words to to not scare people. <laughs> but uh, uh on the flip side, that does wear you down. It, it, it grates on as much as you mentally know that that patient is fine. You mentally know you wish you could do more for them and you can't fix them. Maybe they don't want to be fixed. Maybe they don't, they don't want to be well. You never know. Uh, but, you know, if it's a nursing home, you can't be the family members that aren't visiting them. You can't you can't fix things, but you have to sit through it for 8 to 10 to 12 hours. That, I just, I know I can't do that. But that's neither here nor there. So using your words and scaring people. It reveals who we are and how we talk and how we communicate to people. And I know there's definitely been times I've been dismissive and said the words that needed to be said, but my attitude was very dismissive to the patient or to the family members, and it reflected in it. It reflected in the response I got back and the complaints I got and the the lack of medicine I was able to do after that. So very much... Um, it, it matters. I'm trying to think, I'm trying, I'm dancing around trying to figure out how I want to get into, you know, scaring people, not scaring. I want to talk about doctors, right? We'll start there. We'll start with the patient side of things. Cause that's just kind of what I'm feeling right now. And you go to a doctor's office, right? And this relates to how we act as medics, uh, how we act as nurses, uh, how we act as patients even. And I told the story in topic Tuesday about the OB and how they do, but we know We've been to, okay, so I severed uh, the ACL on my knee a number of years ago. I flipped a motorcycle, and the muscle just gone, and I damaged part of my MCL. Now, if you know anything about those muscles, you know it's stability of the knee. If you don't, now you know it's the stability of the knee, the, the shifting. You can still walk. It's painful. Yeah, you might be doing a little bit more damage to the MCL depending on what's going on, but essentially you can operate it's just going to be very painful and unstable will it blow out i know not to my knowledge not necessarily uh because the doc the first doctor i had said fine go back to work so here's my story about that so i, I severed my acl went to the hospital i was recommended to a doctor that was across the street from the hospital this is up in athens um i think we went to st mary's i don't remember which hospital i think it was st mary's is where i ended up and uh, um, there's a doctor's park right across from there, wherever, you know, as, as it does in, in hospitals. And so I went to this doctor and just zero bedside manner, right? And for me, see, here's the thing. Bedside manner is different to everybody. And that's what we need to understand as medics. It is 100% different to everybody. I have a good friend, Laura DePooter, who is a horse person. She She's as close to a cowboy as I personally know in my life. And she's a, again, she's also a straight shooter. If I picked her up in the ambulance and I got to know her within about five minutes, I know her personally now, of course, but if I were to pick her up and got to know her quickly, it would very much be, you know, oh, okay, this is what's going on. You broke your leg. I don't believe there's any bleeding going on in there because of this, this, and that. Here's the pulse. Quickly kind of 
high level, very shallow educate. This is what I look for. This is what I found. Here's what they'll probably do. Some kind of surgery or pins. You're probably going to be off it for a while. And she's the kind of person that that's bedside manner. That's what she wants. She doesn't need hand holding. She doesn't want to, oh, it's going to be okay. She just wants the facts. Blam, just done. That's how I am. But there's plenty of people who want it differently. They want a, a doctor to come in or a medic or a nurse or anybody to come in the situation and BS with them for a minute. Talk to him. Of course, I see Tom here. So talk to him about Alabama football and, 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 you know, something that, you know, how about that president or, you know, oh, you run a school. I mean, they, they just, some people want that, that, that personal touch, that, that extra different touch that I don't personally believe we're there as medics to deliver, but it has to be part of our repertoire, right? It has to be part of our weapon. Rep, weapons cash if you want to go all meathead on me <laughs> and so there are doctors I, I going to my kids pediatricians right i'll get back to my surgery in a minute but going to my kids pediatricians and i say pediatricians with an s because every time we go we see somebody different now there's a a doctor that is their doctor but it's his practice and there's people who work with him and underneath them and everybody's different and everybody focuses on different things. And their main doctor is very just kind of to the point. And all right. But he's, you know what? There's an air about it. There's energy. It's not what he, again, this, in this case, especially, it's not what he says. It's how he, he does everything and says everything. And he's very just calm and he's very laid back. And, you know, he, he's just, you trust him when he comes in the room. And he doesn't do anything crazy. And he, and he talks to the kids directly. You know, it's not one of these, dad, how are they? Dad, how are they? Well, one, I would like for you to get my name. That's one of the few things I like. I, I, I'm not your dad. And I get it. It's an easy societal thing. And if I have to on scene, now see, 911 is different than a pediatrician's office, right? And that's the other thing you have to realize is your 911 call may not be the emergency you think it is. Everything has to flow and change. So you go into a 911 call, you're going to have to play all the roles or at least hopefully get some partners and some people and use them to the best of your advantage that handle these roles well, as in the hand holder, the, the person who can explain everything. That was me. I could explain anything to anybody and get them to understand because I can do it with compassion and, and, and ease. I, I don't know what word I was looking for. <laughs> Bible great explainer, right? Ding. <laughs> so <laughs> you go in, and so this is Dr. Chen. He he's very he engages the the my kids right directly, and if they can't answer something, I'll wait because I'm a good parent. I know he's trying to judge. I know what he's doing. He's trying to see what they're doing and get them engaged. And and some medicine you need to judge by the patient's answers, not by somebody else's answers. And so if my kids say, I don't know, then I'll look to him and he'll nod and say, I can answer because we, we've built up this rapport that we work together. Other doctors, nobody's rude. I mean, I actually like all the doctors in this practice. They're all great. Nobody's rude, but everybody has a little bit different things. Sometimes they start asking me questions before they ask the kids. Sometimes, um, you know, it, it's a thing. So back to my surgery, talking about bedside manner. I went to this doctor Guess what he told me? Anyway, no. Uh, girl, you better have fun no matter. All right, all right, all right. Uh, <laughs> I love that song. Um, so, I, of course, 
we knew my ACL was severed. He goes, okay, you're gonna have to have a surgery, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna get you a cadaver muscle, you know, this and that. And we're and this is in October. And he goes, yeah, I think we can maybe schedule your surgery for January. I'm like, oh, okay, what does that mean for me? He's like, well, you know, you need to go home beyond disability. Well, disability only pays sixty percent. You know, long long term and short term only pays sixty percent of my paycheck, and that paycheck. That 60% of a paycheck was 60% of a paycheck that wasn't hardly paying my bills in the first place with built-in overtime. Now, when I say 60%, it's not including overtime. There's at least not the not the short-term and long-term disability I had. It didn't have that calculations of, oh, okay, let's look at all the hours you've worked and all the money you made this year, and we'll do 60% of that. No, it's off of what's on paper of my yearly. What's on paper on your yearly of what you're supposed to work well as emts we work well above that don't we we pick up all kinds of extra shifts and we do things anyway it wasn't good so it put me in a really bad place and um i was like i need to work i need to do i need to make money and they just weren't talking to me the doctor wouldn't talk to me and that pisses me off you won't just engage with me give me five minutes of your time i gotta give you all my time i gotta show up on time i gotta make all the appointments you set i gotta jump through your hoops and he didn't explain anything about the surgery he didn't explain anything about the process he just said you're gonna need surgery we're gonna do it sometime in january check with the front desk and they'll give you a few dates and then it bumped to february even and by november when i went been out of work for a month and was struggling to put food on my table right and I could walk around. I think, and and I was like, "Do I need a brace?" I mean, I had to ask the question, "Do I need a brace?" Well, you can have one, sure. Go and get this brace at this shop. And I go to the shop, and this is this little dinky, like Walmart spandex thing that's not even a brace. It's 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 just not. And I'm like, okay, fine. And and I'm walking around that, and it's not helping. And I was like, screw it. If I'm going to be in pain, I'm at least going to make money and be in pain. And so I called the doctor. like, look, I got to work. I need to know. We need to bump the surgery up. We need to do something because I'm not making any money and I'm not going to make it to the end of the year. And the nurse put me on hold for a few minutes and she came out and said, doctor said, fine, you do whatever you, know, you do, whatever you want to do. And I'm like, you're fired. I just told him like, just drop me. I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm done with your attitude. I'm done with his dumb ass done because it's how you say, but if he's not even going to talk to me, right? He's not even going to talk to me. He's not going to engage and, and put me at ease in mind and explain, here's what's good about what you can do. Here's what's bad. Here's the risk. None of that. And so I called my insurance company up and I went back to work. And for a couple of months, because I went through that, because you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, no doctor wants to work. Nobody wants to do anything. So no surgery is going to get scheduled anyway. And so from Thanksgiving to January I think it was February sometime, but basically through the new year, I'm working on an unstable knee that is grinding. I mean, I can just feel it grinding every time I try to shift sideways. And you shift sideways a lot more than you think you would in life walking normally. And, you know, I, I'm able to lift. Now the firefighters jumped in and they're like, you know what? We got you. It's like, no, I'm fine. It's like, no, it's, we're going to take care of you. They, they went above and beyond at, at Station 7 to to take care of me and uh i always will appreciate those guys forever for that because they didn't have to i'm like no i'm gonna carry my weight i'm here to do my job um i'm not i'm not i'm not a taker 
I think that's the mind frame I was in. I'm not a taker. I'm going to do what I need to do. And if I got to make money, I'm going to come and make that money. I'm not going to do 60% of the job. I'm going to try to do all of it. And they, were, they, they insisted. So, well, they're around in other stations too, but that was my main station that I was with as a medic. And uh, you know, as long as they were around, they were going to take care of it. And, and it was great. But yeah, I was eating Motrin like candy and just enough to dull the pain so I could, so I could work. Went to, I'm still getting the bedside manner, right? I'm still getting to communication. So that communication was crap. The nurses were bitchy. Nobody wanted to tell you anything. Nobody wanted to explain anything. And I'm asking simple questions. And as I do, I go in and say, I'm a paramedic. You can talk to me on a, a more of a shorthand. You don't have to. I'm trying to be helpful here when I say I'm a paramedic. I'm trying to help you by saying you don't have to do this huge long explanation because I don't know anything. I know this. You should know what a paramedic essentially knows or at least test the waters with some questions so you can do shorthand and, and bullet point it for me. So interestingly enough, I get re referred to another doctor by my insurance company and I go talk to them and um, I met with the doctor and, and his assistant and the assistant, I think I met with first and they were cool. They, any questions and what about this? What about that? And you know, here's this going on, that going on and here we want, you need a brace. And I said, well, I have this crappy little Walmart. Style. No, 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 no. That's, that is not it. We want you to get this kind of brace. And they said the name of it and wrote it down. I said, you can go to one of, they told me two places to go look. So they're already proactive and they're helping. Okay. I don't have to figure out everything on my own. Awesome. And so I'm still working and I'm around and my wife's still working. She's, she's, uh, yeah, I think at this time she's working at the ER as a secretary. And so, <laughs> So, you know, she, we're all sharing stories because people are curious. And so she's sharing the stories. And when people found out the doctor I was going to have, which unfortunately I can't remember his name right now. When they found out the doctor's like, oh my God, no, you can't have it. He has zero bedside manner. He's horrible. He's this and that. It's like, and I immediately, I mean, I just went, I'm sorry. What's his fail rate as a surgeon? No, no, he's a great surgeon. He's a great surgeon. He just has no bedside manner. And went, then you're an idiot. I fly out saying, well, I'm in pain, so I'm grumpy all the time anyway. But I, I, I mouthed off. I'm like, then you're an idiot. Because I don't need somebody to hold my hand. I need somebody to fix my knee so I can walk around like a human being. <laughs> but their, their sense of communication, that those people who are coming at me, oh, no, he's horrible. They wanted somebody who was just going to be like, hey, how you doing today? Oh, man, that's so, how's your mom and them? Yo, oh, how are your kids? Okay, you know, well, your niece seems to be doing okay. That I don't give a crap about that. You don't need to know about my mom and them. You don't need to know about my kids. That's me. And that's what you have to understand. Every patient is different. So if you come at somebody, I'm getting full circle back to Sherry's point about how some of the words we use are scary. And you're talking to big medical terms. Or you go too far into the honesty. Because everything, let me tell you. Let me tell you to anybody's listening to the sound of my voice right now, being trained medical professionals, or I've never heard of this before. This is interesting citizens. Everything leads to death. I, did, I lost my point for a second. <laughs> Everything leads to death. Pay attention to all medical commercials on TV. Side effects include, and they may real fast, but if you catch it, you'll, it'll be there. All side effects of all medicine lead to nausea, 
vomiting, and death. 90% of everything that can be wrong with your body can come out in signs and symptoms of nausea, vomiting, and result in death. It's, 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 that's, that's life for the paradox of the communication here. So fear is the mind killer, right? That that's, that's from Dune. Fear is the mind killer. And what causes fear is a lack of education or lack of knowing and being able to understand something, even the minimalist thing that's happening in your life right then. Understanding brings hope and calmness and all kind of good stuff. So we need to help a patient understand what's going on. We never need to look like the big hero paramedic. We never need to look like, oh, I know all these words. So I'm going to throw them at you. We never need to be the bully boss. And I can't remember specifically a doctor that's been that bully boss. I, I've known of the stereotype and I've heard complaints from family members and friends and patients where well, I call it the bully boss. That's, that's that doctor who comes in and goes, well, this is how it's going to go. Okay, the doctor who always harps on somebody about smoking. Always. The doctor who harps on somebody about losing weight. Always. That's their, that's their pulpit that they're going to stand in. No, man. Because you're shutting down your patient and you're not connecting with them. The medic who harps on you getting clean because you, you're using drugs somehow or, or you're drinking well, okay, if you're drinking and driving, I, I think you're a scumbag piece of crap. And I say that to my friends. Um, no, no drinking and driving, no under influence of drugs and driving, period. Now, I have nothing wrong. I, I, there's nothing wrong with drinking as long as you do it safely. But the driving part is is no, you know, for me. However, when I pick up a drunk driver, I work him as a patient. And I'm going to make choices in those situations, Right. We all are. And that choice might be to not give them any sympathy or comfort because they just either killed somebody or hurt somebody from their choices. Or it might be to, to calm them down because I need them to calm down so I can do medicine. It depends on the situation, right? But I'm talking about, you know, oh, the medic, the medic who has to stick a 14 or 16 gauge IV after midnight just because they get a call after midnight. That's the bully. That's the, the, the head that I don't want to work with. Okay. So that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm referring to. You know, the, I can't tell you how many people won't listen to the rest of your advice as a doctor. When you come forward and say, uh, have you quit smoking? No, I'm, I, I've been smoking for 40 years. I'm not going to quit smoking. Well, you know, da, 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 and here's pamphlets and here's this. My my grandfather-in-law would always show up to family functions with some kind of pan, old people pamphlets for my mother-in-law for being overweight, for high blood pressure, for diabetes. I just worry about you. No, if you worried about her, you'd actually talk to her instead of showing up to a family function at a holiday where we're all just supposed to have fun and eat and drink and be merry and then hit her with all these these pamphlets of what you obviously judge her about. And that's the thing. It's a judgment that comes through in our communication. And if you throw up, especially if you throw up words that people don't understand intentionally, you're, tr you're putting up that wall. And while the patient may not understand what you're doing, they can feel the wall. They can feel that you're, you're blocking them. 
with these, and it scares them and it makes them more and fear causes stress. And if you've ever heard any of my stress talks, stress comes out in very, very weird and horrible ways sometimes. And when there's a medical emergency or a traumatic emergency going on, we do not need to add stress to this situation. We need to de-stress the situation. I've been able to calm people who've lost limbs when I tried, when I connected with them, when I found the words that worked. And that's the thing. you got to try different ways of communicating. You have to put forth in your tone, I'm here for you. I'm helping you. And I've, I've had people with those mindsets that run rampant, right, of, of what if? What if they do this? What if they do that? And I'm like, well, that's not now. That's not here. Here you're breathing. Here you're good. Hold on to that good. If you focus on what you want, and I will, I will preach that a little bit in the back of a truck. If you focus on what you want, there's a great chance you're going to get what you want. And you flow. You know, will I die? And, you know, and then I'll joke. It depends on the person. You can joke with people. And that puts people on edge. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. It puts, well, it takes them off edge is what I'm trying to say. It, it, it calms them down. Um, I'm going to call you out, John Dinkins. Love you to death, man. But he was very, to this day, he's very to the point, matter of fact, plain affect kind of guy. Knew his medicine backwards and forwards. Probably still does. He works, he runs a fleet for a big company. And which is a perfect thing for him because it's, it's machines. It's very matter of fact. And not that he was a good EMT. I didn't work with him. I can't remember if he became a medic or not, but uh, I, I worked with him as I was his superior. Essentially, I was his medic, and he was underneath me as an advanced or an EMT or something. And he was good at the medicine. Man, he was one of the best at the medicine. He couldn't connect with people. But where he shone, shined, shinnied, <laughs> where he was at his best, was a patient who didn't need that hand-holding, who didn't need the comfort. You get a little old lady who fell and is worried about how her Social Security check doesn't barely pay for her food and rent. She struggles, and now she knows she's going to have a hospital bill. You don't put him with her. You put somebody with her that can go, you know, it's going to be okay. And I tell patients the truth. And here's where I'm going to kind of wrap this out. When you talk about using words and they scare us, and I'm talking about the bully boss, and I'm talking about, um, I, I still want to always hit on a point. As a citizen, you have a right to know everything. You have a right to an explanation. If they won't, any they, any they that won't give it to you, you have to distance yourself from them, quoting fingers. That's a doctor. That's a midwife that I told yesterday on Topic Tuesday. That's a nurse. That's a medic. As best you can, sometimes you're going to have to deal with the person you have to deal with for the time you have to deal with them. But I'm telling you, when there's a choice, more likely in a hospital or a doctor's office, you can say, no, I don't want that person. They won't explain anything to me. You have a right to understand what's going on. You have a right to have explanations given to you. You have a right to be treated like a human being. And you have a right to question everything. And if they, the quotey fingers, universal, they, the medical people you're dealing with, get offended that you're questioning them, you need to distance yourself from them as best as possible. Does that mean if you're in the back of an ambulance and the medic, now if the medic's busy, they're busy. They may try to explain something as best they can very quickly, 
But if they're busy, they're busy. If you got bilateral femur fractures and you're having difficulty in breathing, you know, it's now might not be the best time to explain everything that's going on. Or better yet, as a bystander, meaning you're the parent, you're the family member, you're the loved one that has a right, you know, maybe not a full right like the patient does to know what's going on other than the parent, of course, but you have a right to have that information given to you. Now might not be that time. If I'm doing my best to save your kid, asking me a million questions and trying to get understanding, now's not the time. I will do. I would personally do my best to try to explain, but I'm distracted. I'm, I'm thinking about five different things that can go wrong right now and what I'm going to do to stop them and what I'm right now doing to stop the thing that is going wrong right now. You know what I'm saying? Timing is everything, right? So that, I'm trying to get that that to you is that pick and choose your times. But when definitely when you're in a doctor's office, when you're in a hospital and you have hours that you're going to be there, days that you're going to be there, that's the time to say, okay, I need somebody to explain what's going on. And if you can't take the time, then I need to talk to a supervisor. I need to talk to somebody else. I need to ultimately, if you have to, you, and where do I start? I don't know. Google it. But you start figuring out how to get out of that hospital into another one. Or you make, you make peace. You know, you can Google. You can get your chart. Bring me my chart. I want to read it. Bring me copies of my chart. You have a right to that. If they tell you you don't, you get everybody involved. I don't think that will ever happen. But you absolutely have a right to your chart. You have a right to read it, to understand it, and to ask for amendments to it. That's HIPAA. HIPAA says that, or MTALA, one of those two laws. There are laws that say that. So if somebody's like, oh, no, we can't give you that. Um, What? No. No. That's like saying you took my wallet and you can't give it to me. You will give me that, and you'll give it to me in a timely fashion. Right now might not be uh, um, reasonable. You, know, you can give it to me right now. That might not be reasonable, but you will give me my chart within a timely fashion. And timely fashion is within an hour. Anymore. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm digressing. My point is, you have a right to know everything, okay, and have somebody explain it to you. At least read it for yourself. Start Googling things. You have a right to that. All right, I'm off my soapbox. I got off on a rant there. What I want to wrap up with is truth, giving truth to people, being honest to people. You know, I, I have had patients. I wish I could remember the exact call because I can remember the emotions. I can remember the situation, basically, and what I said to them and how honest I was with them. I can't remember what was going on. But I've had patients that have been in the back of the truck. And there are levels to truth. Um, there's tact to truth. The, yeah, you're, you're not going to make it who you need to call. Well, that that's that's a, a possibility, right? Um, uh, signs. The movie Signs, right? With Mel Gibson. Where? Where? Uh his wife gets pinned to a tree by a car. Well, she's not going to make it. They're in rural wherever. And there's no way once they get the car off of her that they're going to get her to a trauma center in time. And she wasn't going to make it. Well, those situations, you that's where the hardest truth comes into play. You're not going to make it. I can dial people for you. Who do you want to talk to? And I think that's something you need to give people. If you don't, that's 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 your choice there's no right or wrong in the situation i personally believe you need to give it 
but that's the hardest truth, right? That's the most blatant, tactless truth that there is, but it's graceful, it's peaceful. Then there's the truth of we're doing the best we can and we're going to get you to the hospital. Very shallow, but truthful as well. And then there's everything in between. Tell us, we always say you don't tell somebody they're going to be fine, except when they are. Uh, I, I've had people freak out over an ankle fracture, an ankle fracture, right? Uh, a sprain, maybe. I don't remember. It, was, it wasn't like floppity floppity, but it's like when we're unsure if there's a fracture or if it's a sprain, we're going to splint it, put some ice on it, take it to the hospital. And, and this lady's 50-ish, so not old by any means. And she's, she's freaking out. Oh, my God, I'm going to die. I'm like, no, you're, you're going to be fine. You're not going to die. And I said, worst case scenario is you're going to have surgery. It's going to be broken. You're going to have surgery. And you're going to have time spent doing rehab and getting back to it. But it's just an ankle. I mean, I, I could cut your ankle off right now and, and seal the wound, and you'd be fine. I didn't say that part to her, but I'm thinking that, right? I'm thinking that. You don't say everything you think, but you're like, yo, I'm explaining as best I can. No, no you're going to be fine. You, and and sometimes you do take the, the stern. For me, I'm a, um, I'm a dad, so I take the stern dad approach sometimes. Oh, uh, no, you're, you're going to stop now. You're going to be fine. You need to calm down. And sometimes that way, it all depends on the people, right? Sometimes you joke about things. But the situation I can remember is just not knowing how this patient's going to go. And they're worried about it, and they're asking me honest questions. And I had to say, I don't know. Here's what I know right now. Here's what I believe I have found. And I, and I say believe because I don't have all the tools the hospital has. What I do know is, you know, I believe I found some life-threatening issues. I'm doing everything I can to, to keep them at bay. Your oxygen's good. Your heart rate's good. That's what we measure everything by. Your blood pressure's good. Your skin's good. So this is what I'm doing right now. And the best thing I can do is get you to these doctors who are going to do more tests and figure things out. And I don't know. You may be in for a very rough ride. You may, you may die. But I believe if we can get intervention done fast enough, you're, you will come out of this somehow, some way. And that patient very much appreciated that moment. Right? That, that patient needed And again, it's patient by patient. Moment by moment is how you choose your words. Then the last bit of truth I want to tell people is going back to that little old lady who needs that, that, that handheld because she fell and she may have a fracture. She may be injured. She's definitely in pain. And she's absolutely thinking about, I have a hard time getting my, my medications filled now. I have a hard time paying my rent. I have a hard time putting food on my table. Now I'm going to the hospital for who knows how long and a real fear with elderly people is that they won't come out of the hospital. It happens to their friends all the time, right? They go to the hospital. At some point in their life, they go to the hospital for the last time and they don't come home, right? So that person, I've had people try to refuse to go to the hospital because they can't, they finally say, I can't afford it. Here's where truth comes in. And you need to know the truth. You need to know how the system works and understand it so you can give truth. So if you get to the money part, the answer is I'm not here to talk about money. I'm here to help you. I've used that. It helps a little bit, but it's not not the best answer. It doesn't allay the fear. It doesn't calm them down. It doesn't help them where they need the help. So the truth that I found that I would give to every patient, and I know hospitals don't want me talking about this. I know that EMS doesn't want me talking about this, but the reality is you have no money. You don't, I mean, if you're barely making ends meet, they can't put you in jail for this stuff. They're not going to take food off your table and kick you out of your house for medical issues. 
This is nothing that they can do anything about. You can, if you can pay them $5 a month, you tell them that and you pay them five bucks a month. And if they're bullies, cause their collections agents can be hospital in hospital collection agents can be assholes and mean and nasty. I've had it happen when I worked for the hospital. They used to be Newton EMS or Newton ER, Newton general, Newton general. And now it's Piedmont Newton. So this is before it's Piedmont Newton. I worked for Newton as EMS. We were part of the hospital. Um, uh, I, I had an in, I, uh, not the knee injury. It must have been my gallbladder. Maybe I had something happen, used their hospital for everything. Um, I was probably my gallbladder surgery and, you know, and I couldn't make but $25 a month payments. And they, they actually had me fill out a thing about how much money did you make? This that, which I found offensive, but I did it. I filled it out and turned it in and said, I can afford $25 a month. And they would call me and like, that's not good enough. And I yell at them when I work, I'm your coworker. I work in your hospital and I use a lot of four letter words. I'm getting back to what I told old lady in just a second. You know what stopped it? It's because I worked in that hospital. I went and found that office and put my head in there and said, which one of you is Angela or whoever had called me. And they raised hand. I didn't. I said, Hey, I raised my hand. Like, Hey, no, look at my name badge. I mean, I instantly went mean on it. Of course I'm six foot seven. And I'm like, you will stop this. B you know, I, I laid on them, laid on them. So I'm like, no, I am literally your coworker. You talk to people like this. You break your own rules. Cause your rules were, I filled it out. Did the math. I can do $25 a month. And you, you here's okay. I'm on a rant again. I shut them down. They stopped. Maybe I made a difference for the world. I don't know, but at least got them to stop calling me. Anyway, that's all I can really worry about at the end of the day. But the truth is no judge, no court is going to hurt you for your medical purposes for your, your, because you got 911 and had to go to the hospital. If you're trying, especially with the elderly people who live on social security, what you have, what you can tell and verify it, make sure it's right. I'd never want to tell somebody a lie, but you verify and say, Hey, it doesn't matter if you can pay $5 a month, you pay $5 a month and they'll take it. And there's nothing they can do about it. They cannot send you to court. They may sell your stuff to a collections agency. You just tell them, leave me alone and you don't talk to them, but you send that check in. As long as they cash that check, if you go to court, a judge will look at it and go, she's trying her best. What do you want her to do? And I've used that truth with many a patient saying, stop worrying about the money because the reality is you don't have to pay for it at all. That's the harsh reality of what we do is you don't have to pay for it at all. You can, if you have no money, if you truly have no money, what are they going to take? Nobody, no hospital takes cars and houses and livelihoods. They can't. Medical debt gets written off way before anything else, especially in a bankruptcy or anything else. Anyway, my point is, understanding brings calmness brings health brings happiness and it's our job as medics to communicate with our patients obviously i've been all over the board today so i think it's our job as human beings but definitely as medics to communicate with patients and and bring that peace and happiness and calmness because it will allow us to do our jobs better if somebody is calm if they're chill you can get your vital signs. You can get, you can stop your life-threatening injuries faster. You can reverse the slow life-threatening injuries better. 
by keeping them calm. So connect with your patient every way you can. Words mean things. How you say it means things. Body language means things. And you need to be able to talk calmly and well in this field and connect with people. So I, I've harped on it a lot. I, I This is obviously a hot box for me. It's, it's something that, um, man, I've gotten on so many partners and so many rookies about how they talk to people. And I am about to go teach this afternoon. I'm going to go teach that uh, advanced uh, communications for or communications for the advanced EMT. It comes down to this. We get so focused on what we do and what goes on in our heads and how we're yelling and screaming in our own heads about things that we don't take the time to actually communicate with somebody else. What's going on? Why it's bothering us? The rationally, sometimes just saying things. And that's, this is my last human being point. Sometimes actually verbalizing what's in your head to somebody else. And that's why we have to let patients talk back to us, right? Some, sometimes just saying, this is what I'm thinking, this is what's going on, and just getting it out, getting those words out of your head and into the universe. Just by saying it can calm you down. You go, oh, I, I just don't feel that anymore. I did feel that. I just don't feel that anymore. And sometimes you you can get those words out and you still feel it, and then somebody goes, well, okay, I now I understand what you're thinking and seeing and going through, but here's the reality. Let me help you see a different picture. And that's what we do as medics. That's what we can do as friends, as human beings and relationships. So you need to calm down. It reveals everything about us and how we communicate. If we're short with people, we're probably, I'm talking about from my own experience, we're probably angry. If we are always having to tell people what we're doing and you need to see what we're doing, we're probably not doing it well. We're probably doing the wrong thing at the wrong time because I'm telling you from my own experience, I've been there. I felt like nobody understands how much I do in the back of the truck. They need to see it. And it just made me an asshole. And nobody wanted to be around me and work with me. But I found the difference when I actually did stuff. And people were like, man, what you did, just stop caring about what other people saw and actually did what felt good to make a difference in my life, to make a difference in my field, to make a difference, period. It felt different. I knew I was doing what was right for me or right for the situation. Just ran my... That's when I started seeing, man, we noticed that you did this this thing for this patient the other day. Good on you. Hey, you know, I've actually had EMTs come up to me when I was just a temporary commander for a day and like, you know what, you're you're a great leader. We'd follow you anywhere. And that meant the world to me at the time. Because that was a change. The I'd come from being that person who's, you got to see everything I'm doing for you. You need to know what I'm doing to I'm going to do it. I'm just going to make the right call and keep focusing on the day and focusing on the job and getting that done. And that person saying, I'd follow you anywhere or work for you anytime. That, that told me I'm doing the right thing. So you will know inside of yourself when you're doing it right and when you're doing it wrong. So how we communicate reflects 100% on who we are and we need to deal with that. All right. That's the end of what I got to say today. Uh, you can email me. I finally got it on the screen. You can email me Charles at G A I E M S dot com. If you got a topic you want to either have topic Tuesday on to learn more about something that for me to teach or just EMS underground where we talk to each other and we just drink coffee and, and ramble a bit. You know, some of these EMS undergrounds are, are much faster than this one. It's, this was just a, a big one for me. So yeah, Charles at G a I E M S.com. 
You can hit me up with anything you'd like to hear about and, and I'll figure out if it's a topic or if it's a discussion or both, but thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for the podcast. Hey, you can find us on all the podcast players out there. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple music, Apple podcast, Google play. Everything is, this is a podcast. You can watch the live video recordings, facebook.com forward slash Georgia Institute of EMS. And then of course the video stays there. Uh, a better produced video of this recording goes up on youtube.com slash Georgia Institute of EMS. So check us out. And for all your EMT school needs, go to Georgia EMT.com and we'll have you, we'll get you taken care of. All right. Until next time. Thanks for watching, and I'll be back next week with some more stuff. Oh, man, this didn't scroll. Oh, there was, there was, ah, there was, mm, there was stuff that Tom and Sherry put in. I'm sorry I ignored it. All right, I'll be back next week.